Welcome to Heart Warriors Radio with your hosts, Yona Brindis and Jeff Casper and me, Ryan. To learn more about the show by going to OuterLimitsRadio.com. Learn more about the Jeff and Yona by going to TransCodes.com. Yona and Jeff, how are you both doing? Hi there, Ryan. Hey, we're good. Yeah, we're doing good. All right, I shouldn't speak for you. <laughs> I'm doing good. Good. Well, I'm glad you're doing awesome. Well, today's topic of discussion is going to be about how to find a great teacher or how to find a group of individuals you'd like to learn from. Some people today, they go, they look at a teacher, and they kind of fall in their shoes. And unfortunately, sometimes there's a cult mentality. I see it a lot. I see sometimes people get the attention of others. They thrive on that, and they just kind of take it to the end. So our goal tonight is to help you to find some great teachers while not paying a visit to Jonestown. So, <laughs> you know, what are some of the first things you should do when it comes to finding a great spiritual teacher, a great spiritual group to work with? Well, you know what they say. In fact, I actually don't recall right now who said it, but the teacher shows up when the student is ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, what this really means is that there's obviously different teachers for different students, just different students for different teachers. So it depends on where we're at in our life and what we're going through, what resonates with us. So if I look at just Jeff and I and our journey, our personal journey with teachers, and it was a little different back in the days, Ryan, you probably remember this too. I mean, we had to travel thousands of miles, you know, to meet a teacher or we had to pay hundreds of dollars for a book you know, of, uh, uh, you know, some kind of knowledge or that promise some kind of wisdom for us. It's a little different nowadays in times of YouTube and online courses and so forth. But the, the what most people, I think, can experience in their life, that they feel attracted to a certain teacher or teaching at a certain type, time in their life and that they then sort of move on and and start feeling attracted to something else they begin to to form something like a journey so all i'm trying to say is that i think it's very important to to be clear about this that not that there is not one teacher that can meet all our needs or you know be the same for us in all times and all different situations in our lives that we very often either have multiple teachers at the same time or that we feel attracted to teachings just because we're curious or just because we want to experiment with things so there is no one teacher no perfect teacher if you will that can meet all these needs because we develop and as we develop Mm -hmm. you know the teachers develop we'll see different things and different teachings or different teachers. I mean, Ryan, how was this for you? Did you sort of get to on your journey with like one teacher and that was it and you never looked at any other kind of teaching or did you get to certain places through many different pathways? Well, actually, the journey was based on how I felt about myself. Mm-hmm. And when I was when I was kind of broken after 
realizing everything I thought about the Catholic Church turned out to be completely wrong, at least from my perspective. I was in search of teachers. I was desperately kind of searching for, for teachers. And I would always come across people that I guess I was kind, I was kind of taking a fool, and I was a bit of a fool, where I would like see a teacher, and they, if they appeared to be confident, I would kind of like say, oh, maybe, maybe they've got the answers. And I would do that for a number of months. But the one that really resonated with me the most at the deepest level was Stuart Wilde. That's when I, I think when I, when I discovered him, I feel like that changed my perception of all other teachers because I felt like he was the most authentic one and very few were, were like him and the ones that were like him that were that were kind of um that had the authenticity I still would follow that well, I would still connect with them to this day mm-hmm. but I felt like Stuart was the gold standard as far as um, teachers go because he was very authentic but what about you both did you guys do that did you guys how did you guys um find some of your teachers and was there one that you you both stuck with well I mean like uh man, I started with the church as well. And, um, and then branched out from there. I went to various different churches first cause that felt more normal. Um, and what I sought was less rigidity. I sought, um, less, uh, ties to sometimes I'm not def- defending or attacking religion, but religion can get dogmatic sometimes. So I started looking for, in my experience, more truth. Um, so that started by switching to more alternative churches at first and then personal growth speakers and coaches and all this kind of stuff. And then it switched back to, to spirituality, and I didn't want to go back to the church, um, not because it's wrong or bad, but I felt there's limitations there. Um, and then I did find um, people in the mental realms, I found people in, and it just kept going where I was going. So in my 20s and early 30s, I was very mental, um, still can go there today, but I was very mental and I was seeking out like reprogramming, I was seeking out things like NLP, NET, um, so I was finding people like that, but then when some of the stuff that came up in my life um, about like my emotions, all this kind of stuff, and they weren't being sought, um, I started finding other teachers. Stuart was one of them for a while. Um, and then as I got more and more into the spiritual game, uh, from a conscious level, I got more into teachers like Hawkins. Um, so it became more as I shifted and learned things and developed or switched from more of the mental approach into the spiritual approach, I began to look for different teachers. And typically what happened as you keep going, you begin to, things resonate with you. And when they begin to resonate with you, you, you almost like, almost like engulf it. You know, like you read as much as you can, you go as much as you can, you study as much as you can. But at a certain point, certain teachers no longer do that for you. And when that happens, it's time to look, it's time to shift. What are you seeking? So a lot of times with teachers, I think it's more important to understand what is truly you're seeking. You know, when I was in my twenties and thirties, it was knowledge. It was fascination. It was, um, also simply just exploration. Now it's more mindfulness, more spirituality, more transcendence. Um, it's a slower one, but it's very interesting. So that shifted who I was looking for. And that also what typically happens, and I think you want to kind of touched on that as you change, uh, the teachers do change, but what also happens is, is what used to resonate with you doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong or bad or dark or anything like that. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit anymore. So it's almost like you can appreciate the teacher or the books or appreciate what they gave, but you're like, okay, I don't really want to, there may be certain works you can go back to for certain things. Like there are certain teachers I have for certain levels that I want to go back to or remember, but other parts of the stuff that they used to teach, I can't go back to anymore. Not because it's wrong. It just doesn't fit with the paradigm I'm seeking. That's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. 
It's interesting that you said that you you, were, you wanted different things so different people were appearing, but you know, what about you? Was it, did you have a similar background or similar experience? I did not come from religion. I didn't have much exposure to religion growing up, you know, uh, other than, you know, sort of knowing the basics, you know, why we celebrate Christmas and, right. and Easter. But for me, the spiritual journey came more out of, I was more sort of a, a scientist in a way. I wasn't against spirituality in that way i i think even as a child i had this uh, this feeling that there must be more and i see myself uh, even as a teenager more as an explorer so i went into physics and chemistry i wanted to know how molecules how cells how the interaction, how all this works, right. mm -hmm. um, because it seemed to be the most uh, logical thing, right, to take matter and to see how matter works. I didn't exclude that there was a higher intelligence, but I didn't really believe in it. You know, I saw it more from a material standpoint, and it was through this scientific journey that I realized that there are things out there, that there are questions out there that are still completely unanswered. And as I was listening to Jeff, I realized that my journey was a journey of seeking. Mm -hmm. I was seeking answers, and I wasn't preoccupied with having to find a particular answer. I just really wanted to know how everything works. What was the biggest one, though, like the two of the answers you're seeking the most from? The most Thank impactful you. thing, I mean, you know, uh, uh, the, the, due to training in college and everything, obviously I had a certain fascination with formulas and stuff like that. And and one of the things I, I remember, you know, sort of my dream when I was like 19 was to to come up with this unified theory and everything, <laughs> you know, these 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 kind of sort of like omnipotent uh, science, uh, scientist dreams. Okay, but it was more the the most impactful thing I think for me was. In investigating how nature works and realizing how many things in nature are so beyond what our mind can understand mm -hmm. that I learned, I literally learned to accept the fact that my rational, intellectual, cognitive mind must not be able to understand it. I learned to accept the limitations of my own mind and to look beyond my mind. I think that was the most impactful realization for me. Because up until then, I thought that I could find all the answers in the science books. I did also simultaneously have, just you know, due to the school system I grew up in, a very strong affinity to philosophy, mm -hmm. to humanities. You know, I learned Latin, a little bit of Greek. I learned Spanish, French. I learned to read the old texts, and I always, I was always fascinated by sort of ancient wisdom, you know, and and to find something in there maybe that was forgotten, um, even things such as, you know, herbalism and you know all these things, folk science all right i was always interested in discovering sort of this old wisdom that i felt somehow was there at some point but that got forgotten so that kind of pulled me into investigating the things beyond what science could explain this is what opened me up mm -hmm. for that yep. 
to just simply accept the fact that there might be something like a higher intelligence that is at work and that the the mind itself might not be the tool, all right, that I might have to tune into things in a different way. And when I started to learn, and this is actually still science-based, the energetic interactions between humans and nature, that's when I became really, really interested. Uh, Authors such as Rupert Sheldrake, for instance, really, really fascinated me. And then Graham Hancock, and then um, I got attracted. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, then I, doesn't Grant talk about aliens, though? Doesn't he talk about like, ancient civilizations? Yeah, so, well, when you talk about ancient civilizations, the subject comes up because there are some things yeah. that we still can't answer to this day. But there are other answers that you get when you look at it from an anthropological point of view uh, where you can see patterns throughout the different tribes say, you know, no matter where on the planet Earth, no matter what civilization, you see recurring themes. And here, you know, it takes a little bit of mental discipline not to come to a conclusion that it must be alien, okay, just because we cannot relate to it with our minds. I could resolve some of these aspects by diving into the more energetic, the etheric and the shamanic aspect of our journey and recognizing some of these drawings and things that are being described in in ancient scripture, all right, that can be seen in a different realm. And that's then really when my journey as an energy healer began, because I realized that there was a perception that we have that we need to train ourselves to tune into that. It's like it's like tuning into a different frequency, you know, on your radio. It's like you have to put a different radio station on within yourself, and all of a sudden you can perceive other things. And because I was always uh, sort of naturally empathetic and energetically sensitive, which didn't make sense at the time when I was a child, but later then I could contextualize that part, I saw a lot of things. So at that moment, when I began to see that it's really all just about shifting the perspective, I saw things that could easily be interpreted as alien, but they don't necessarily mean this to me. However, if we describe um, 3D, you know, what we experience here as our 3D reality, our Newtonian paradigm, if we dis- and then dis- define everything that's outside of this paradigm as alien, well, yeah, then one could come to the conclusion that there are alien entities, energies, beings in different dimensions. But this doesn't necessarily mean in my world uh, that it uh, is an alien race or a civilization from a different planet. Okay, there are many beings and many entities that can be observed in different uh, realities when one is able to shift this perception. And um, this could look like aliens in the movies, but isn't necessarily what we think it is. I know this was a wishy-washy answer, but... (laughs) No, it was a great answer. It's your truth. It's your truth. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you both... You had these really interesting experiences, and you, you found certain teachers, and you were both driven. I mean, I, I don't know. My, I have an insatiable curiosity, and I think that mm-hmm. this thing has always been there. Yeah. And it was, it yeah. was like basically 
buried by the public education system. I mean, I, I, I'm glad I escaped it because I think that they try to stifle curiosity. But once it's it got here, it's, it's kind of like, um, I don't know, this is just my experience. Maybe it'll be for other people. But I think once you really awaken that curiosity and you and that fire is going, mm-hmm. it, I don't even know if it matters you know, what type of knowledge you are seeking. But as long as that curiosity is there, you, you, you can pull you in all different directions. That's why, at least in my experience right now, I'm going in all different directions. I'm seeking uh, knowledge and information voraciously. I, I can't get enough mm-hmm. knowledge because I, I want to do it. I want to have a thorough understanding about what's going on. And if you look at the world right now, I don't know if you both agree or disagree, but I think that a lot of the pain and suffering that is occurring in this world, even people that are struggling through emotions or people are struggling financially, struggling through all different ways, is because maybe it's because of a lack of knowledge or a lack of action being taken for, that, for what's happening in the situation. Like if they were more knowledgeable or if they had more options available to them, who knows what they could be. So... I'm wondering from both your perspectives, do you think that is a benefit of seeking a teacher? Is that a benefit of finding and seeking in general? Well, I mean, anytime you're learning, there's going to be some type of knowledge transference. But I think the challenge is in this day and age, knowledge is questionable because it's just all a bunch of information. It's about who gets it out first. It's about who can yell the loudest, who can scream the most, who can who can justify it. That's not justification is not truth. Justification is not necessarily accuracy. It's just justifying a position, and the majority of stuff that you see on the web and all the online is so, especially now, um, is a lot of this justification. Knowledge in itself is a lofty goal, but what knowledge are you seeking? That's the question. And is it real? Like you want to touch about, you know? Yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. How do you know? What are some of the ways you can tell if this knowledge is genuine, or if it's, um, or if it's someone else's manipulations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's when you have to start to discern between information, mm-hmm. you know, and knowledge and knowing. So there is a part in us that can discern if something, you know, we Jeff used the word resonates, mm-hmm. okay, um, that can discern if something is truthful for you, okay, at that place that you're at or not. But when this gets clogged up with, like, say, over-information, right? This is information era. Okay, we never had this before. Okay, 100 years ago, even 50 years ago, we never had so much knowledge accessible like we do today. But knowing is still something that forms in a different way. Knowing is not the same as knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so not, knowing forms through the power of our own consciousness inside of us through processing knowledge. It's the insight that we come to that forms, you know, the, the, the actual knowing if something is truthful or true or not. And that can only be accessed through this inner processing and that there's a maturing process that happens throughout our lives okay so we know you know a lot about the human brain and how we process information and there are certain limitations obviously at certain ages all right but when it comes to wisdom for instance which is you know the term that we use for someone who is in the knowing right it doesn't necessarily coincide with the amount of knowledge that that person has. So we have to differentiate here between knowing and knowledge. And this is also where we see this this uh, division 
today because we see um, a lot of information, a lot of knowledge that is being put out or screamed out, you know, as uh, Jeff portrayed it. And yet we have so little understanding, so little knowing of what is true. I mean, the, the, the measurement, you know, of, of the truth level of what is out there on the Internet right now is uh, 5%. So only 5% of what is out there on, you know, of, of the total information that is out there is actually true. 95% is a mixture. It's a mixture of knowledge and a mixture of agenda. And one of the issues that we've discussed in a different hardware episode is that we have media now uh, sort of as uh, coming in as as the as the presenter of of knowledge with its own agenda. Now this wasn't there before, but the biggest problem today is the, the discernment of truth and. This comes back to a very old problem in humanity, namely, how do we actually assimilate knowledge? How do we actually turn a piece of information, an experience, a phenomenon into something that we can then call knowing or insight? And that does not happen in our brain. That happens in our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so if someone is is, you know, seeing this part here, this, you know, duality about information, that's when the person is ready to actually seek truth. So up until, you know, a certain awareness level, all we seek is knowledge. I was one of them. I could not get enough of knowledge. I was a seeker of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And the more knowledge I gathered... The more you wanted. The more I realized what I don't know mm-hmm. or what I can't know. Mm-hmm. And that's then when the awareness comes to the person, and this is an individual assimilation process, that it can't be just the amount of knowledge. So teachers, there's a certain time for teachers where teachers provide us with knowledge. Right, I'm grateful for all the great teachers I had in school and in college. But if I look at you know who I am today and what I'm teaching today, the knowledge that I gathered there is not really what makes me a teacher. I'm not reciting knowledge. I'm offering a rendering of of truths that comes out of my knowing, that comes out of how I process this and the context that I formed out of this, the power of consciousness. So to come back to your original question, dealing with the reality, for instance, like right now, where there's a lot of uncertainty, where there's a lot of misinformation, where there's a lot of untruths, a lot of manipulation, and we all know it, and nobody trusts in anything anymore, and where people feel lost, where they can't really form, you know, sort of uh, uh, anything like uh, security in their minds, it is something that you could see as a blessing because it forces us to create context, to create insight, and to make sense out of these things that are happening with the power of our own consciousness. So I agree with you there, Ryan. For a person to process these things right now, 
it requires a person to be able to contextualize it correctly. And this is what a good teacher is for me. Mm-hmm. A good teacher is somebody who helps me to acquire knowledge, who maybe points me at knowledge, but more importantly, who teaches me how to ask the right questions and how to come to my own insight. A good teacher is someone who gives me the source of where they, you know, where to find the knowledge and teaches me the way how to form insights so that I can internalize and verify the context for myself. That's when growth happens in us. And unfortunately, yeah, since we wanted to talk about teachers and teachings and so what there isn't many out there. I mean, I'm just pulling this out of thin air, but I want to say it's about the same ratio. 95% of teachers out there are not teaching people how to come to insights. They are teaching people a certain knowledge, a certain way they see it and that is then what we can learn from them we can learn from them how they see it you mentioned Stuart Wilde he felt authentic to you and Mm -hmm. what he could teach you was how to change your perspective how to put things into a different context and that is what you experienced as growth or as expensive for yourself and that's nothing I got from him yeah, another thing I got from him too is he would decimate all the other teachers and he wouldn't do it because he was attacking them. He said, Look, he's like he said, you know, you have to challenge these people. He said any one of these teachers that put themselves on a pedestal, he said that, that if I, it's a bunch of crap and I love that. And then he also I think he would challenge people to even challenge him. So he's one of the people when I would um, he would have these teachings. I remember he used to write his blog and and there were things that I would disagree with him on, and I felt comfortable about that. And I think I, and before I guess some of these other teachers, like their rulings were or their teachings were absolute. Whereas he was like, no, you should you should be doing this, you should be out there challenging others. And I, I thought that was really unique, at least. Uh, yeah, if you cannot challenge a, a teacher or the the information that is being taught, then that should be a red flag. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, it's a little different when you go, say, you sign up for a, a college course and the, and the course has a certain topic and uh, you're being taught sort of the scholarly perspective of that topic. Okay. Then, you know, you, yeah, sure, you can have critical thinking and so forth, but, you know, you, it's designated to just deliver you the knowledge. Okay. But if you want to, to, to find a teacher who can help you to make context and to find your own perspective towards something, okay? Something that is more uh, sort of in the self-help, self-growth, self-discovery area, area, all right? There, a teacher needs to encourage the student to question everything. And I want to go as far as saying teaching the students how to ask the right questions, Right, not as in right and wrong, right as in the kind of questions that can help the person to come to their own internalized truth. So if you have a teacher like what you just described with Stuart Wilde, who encouraged you to be critical, who encouraged you to question, then that's a good sign, okay? Because that can help you in your personal growth. 
you can discover yourself in that way. If you have a teacher who tells you this is the only truth and I'm the only one who knows truth, but I'm not sharing with you where I got this truth from. You know, I'm just postulating um, that this is the only truth and you cannot question it, then this should raise a red flag. This is, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, these... Um, the cold movements, uh, you know, uh, how they come into existence, where there is a, a sort of this uh, expectation that the student uh, somehow diminishes or uh, surrenders uh, their own ability to come to the same conclusion as the teacher. That's always a red flag. When the student does not have the opportunity to come to the same conclusion as the teacher. That's awesome. I, I agree. And also, at least I've seen this before, watch out for people that are building cults. People get a little bit of attention. Stuart also pointed out that a lot of people get trapped in the ego, get the ego trips and ego traps. And I've utilized that and, and been able to see other people out there that are doing it. It's one of the reasons why, I mean, I have to say, you know you guys are the host. I'm not just saying this because you, the world you both, I love you both, but my experience in talking with you and seeing how you interact with people, like you, you're very authentic. You're both very genuine, and I never see either one of you putting yourselves above anyone else. And I think that is a wonderful quality to have, but you do challenge others, and I think that's also terrific as well. What if, from both of you guys, because people do consider you teachers, and they don't learn from you. What are some of the biggest lessons you want your students to learn from you? I think the biggest one I think Yona nailed on is like to be able to not only learn, but to develop your own way, like develop what works for that person. Um, obviously, you know, what we work on is truth and enhancing consciousness. So there is a process of calling people out a little bit as far as like where they get stuck on things. That's all part of coaching. That's all part of energy work. That's part of even therapy. And, but, and it's also helping them reframe it, but then helping them find their way, like what really works for them and giving them the space to do that, to know that it's not necessarily cookie cutter. There are certain practical, um, processes when you are either having a spiritual or seeking journey, there are certain practices that everybody should do, but how that comes about is important that they develop that way that they develop that way what works for them. So, so we throw a few tools at them. We throw a bunch of things that say, here, try these, see what works. And, you know, I'm a firm believer, and Stuart actually said that one, you know, you, you take what works, you dump the rest. Um, the key thing there is, though, is that a good teacher will also help a person say, okay, that's fine, here's what you're doing. But if you dump this, is it still true? If you dump this, is it still expansive? You know, so they work with that so they understand in themselves what it feels like. That's vital. So it's about learning their own way and then learning that feeling inside of them. It's not some book. It's not some person. That book or that person may have helped them. That technique may have helped them, but now it's in them. That's key in my view. Awesome. All right. And um, it's the last question I have <laughs> for you both is when you are in a part of your life where you are feeling sad, mm -hmm. Or when there's a part of your life when you're feeling happy, are there certain types of teachers one should naturally gravitate towards based on where they are in their particular life? Like, if you um, if you're down, should you be worried about being sucked into to a charismatic teacher? I mean, what type of teacher are best suited for people based on where they are in their life? 
Uh, I think the big thing, um, where you're at in life is going to where kind of where you gravitate to, you know? So if you're low, you're going to seek someone to lift you up and there can be beauty in that. There can be some great teachers that lift you up. Um, but there can also be teachers that start by lifting you up and then manipulate you. So a lot of times when a person is low and they're seeking that positive enforcement, reinforcement, they're seeking lovingness, they're seeking caring, they're seeking some type of support. They may get kind of tattered around a bit, you know, by their nose because they don't know yet. And that's okay because sometimes they have to go through those experiences to learn what's okay and what's not. Um, the biggest thing I think what we've been talking about the entire time is about truth and working out that true internal or true, I just answered the question, true, true seeking always goes within. You know, so at some point the teacher has to say, now it goes inside of you, like turn within, work on these things so you begin to develop. Um, so the challenge is a lot of times when people are in certain states, they can get caught up in teachings. Um, if they're externalized, like this person who low would be where they're seeking someone to lift them up, they're more susceptible for falling for temptations. They're more susceptible for falling for other people's beliefs because they don't know their own yet. So to people out there who, you know, who are looking and seeking and finding, uh, and then they find themselves following a group without really paying attention to it or following a certain teaching, double check, you know, is it integrous for you? Is this really what you want? Is it really your guide, you know, inside of you that's helping that, like not your guide, like a being outside of you, but is that what really is coming from your heart? And if it's not, then question it because maybe it's time to shift. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, that concludes today's edition of Heart Warriors Radio. I want to thank our amazing hosts and teachers, Jeff Casper, Yona Brindis, to learn more about Jeff and Yona by going to the website at transcoast.com and learn more about our show by going to outoflimitsradio.com. Jeff and Yona, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you both so much. And... Thank you.